Hello, friends. My name is Elise, and when Ben said I could talk about anything that was on my heart, my first thought was, yes, I can talk about everything. I want to talk about everything. But you'll be happy to know I did narrow it down. I left out most of the crazy weird stuff and um, decided that Jesus and the woman at the well have been on my heart for, um, for a little while now. And what I love about this woman is um, she is probably so much more than what we've considered her to be. And um, I know I've never heard her talked about in this way, um, so hopefully this will be, be fun. Um, so here's the plan that I hope will work. Um, we'll read over the passage just to get an overview, and then go back and um, kind of break down some stuff, unpack a lot of it, and then we'll talk about the Spirit, and then compare and contrast to um, how the Spirit is different than maybe the ego. And then hopefully we'll all leave here looking for more Spirit. That's my goal. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so this story takes place in the book of John, and it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's kind of a mysterious book, and it's mysterious and also challenging because it seems to call into question all the laws and all the rules we've been living by. And at the same time, it calls us into intentionally living in the Spirit. So we're, we're trying to do, to do both at the same time, which I think is kind of the mysteriousness of it. Um, but as my work as a pediatric occupational therapist, human development is always on the forefront of my mind. And in the beginning, um, and as any parent would know, and my kids are here too, and they would know that you start by just teaching rules. And anytime you're learning something new, you teach the rules. And so the rules are there for a purpose. They um, help keep us safe. They help us make sense of a complicated and complex world until they don't anymore. And so that's where the spirit comes in. And it's really hard to put spirit into words, I think. And I know, at least for me, I've not had a lot of teaching on spirit. And I think that's what, in this time, this generation, us all living here now, you know, I think that is what our call is, is to learn and know and understand the spirit within us so we can live into it. So, I think John can help us on this journey, and in particular, Jesus and the woman at the well can help us understand this movement from laws and rules and technicalities and into living in the spirit. So, let's um, read over the text Get, get kind of an overview, and then we'll do some unpacking. So this is John chapter 4. 
Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea, and he went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sinkar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had, been, had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living, living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw the water again. He told her, Go. Call your husband and come back. I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither here on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. 
So, how does this story sit with you? Is it, is it new for anybody? Yes? Oh, one, my own daughter. <laughs> how many of you have heard this before? And that's good, because this is going to be fun. Because we need to get straight to the most important, the most crucial line in all of this, because we all know if this happened more often, there would be world peace, harmony for everyone, and everything would work out. And so if you look at verse 7, 17, Jesus says to the woman, you are right. <laughs> I'm kidding, kind of. Of course I'm kidding. Um, and women are not always right. I know that. And, uh, you know, we might lie, laugh, and we know that it's funny. And anything that really is humorous uh, does have some truth underneath it. So I do believe there, there is some female perspective that needs more affirmation. But we'll get to that a little bit later on. So first, let's do some unpacking and... Um, you know, maybe this will help you understand, too, uh, why my voice gets shaky on some of these parts and, uh, and what's really maybe happening behind this conversation. So, but first, let's begin with context. So the whole, the, the chapter starts out talking about um, some different things that probably don't mean a lot to us right now, but basically, it's all about the politics. There's political things going on, there's tension, there's who's on what side, who's right, who's wrong, and this is probably sounding pretty familiar to us right now. Something we can definitely relate to these days. There's also a part that mentions history, and so the, the point I think John is making is that he's um, sharing that, hey, we've got a common ancestry here. We have things in common together. We're a part of the human race together. The other important thing is that this is happening at noon. And there ain't nobody heading out in the desert in the middle of the day, the hottest, most dangerous time of day, to go draw water from the well unless they have some sort of reason to be going at that time. And maybe it's more of an escape than, um, than going to get the water. There's also a clash of culture that we see going on. And um, it's mentioned there pretty much outright. Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They were seen as half-breeds and seen as unclean people. There's also the clash of gender here. There's a man and Jesus and um, a woman um, coming together and having a conversation in a culture where women are considered more like property than, than as humans. But let's get really down into the conversation. And we'll just start right from the beginning of when they, they start to talk. But Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And right then and there, he has broken all of the culture rules. Not only does he, as a man and a Jew, he, he actually speaks to a woman, and a Samaritan woman at that. The Samaritan woman says to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
basically, how can you break that rule? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans, and not only do they not associate, they will not use the same cup as a Samaritan because the cup would be unclean, and then therefore they would be unclean. So her response, however, to me is even more telling because she doesn't shut them down. She doesn't um, disengage. She doesn't just um, run away even. But she actually engages with him and asks him the question, which means she's open to the conversation. And then Jesus answers her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So Jesus continues this conversation, and he makes it even more interesting because he's leading it towards more depth and to to what really matters. And he creates this intriguing concept of living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. And by the way, you can't, you're not going to be able to use my cup, right? Um, And the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and also his sons and his livestock? I think right here, and a lot of um, us ladies will know what's going on, is, well, she's game for the conversation, but she also needs to make sure this isn't a crazy wacko person. (laughs) So he's... um, kind of hanging out in, at the well at the middle of the day, too. So you never know what you might get. And so she's doing her due diligence here. And, but at the same time, it's a respectful and also relevant and heartfelt question. And I really think that Jesus loves for us to have these, these kinds of questions. So Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will come, will in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So this is where water turns into something more than just water. It is the, the metaphor for life abundant. And that eternal life would not just mean, oh, from here and, and on and on from your life from this point forward will be eternal. No, it's bigger and deeper than that. It means you'll be tapping into life from the very beginning to the present now and everything in the future that you would be connected from, from very beginning to very end. Because to the Spirit, time is irrelevant. It's not, it's, it, the Spirit does not have to be contained. So Jesus has turned the conversation quite spiritual here. So then the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I won't have to keep coming back here to draw water. So she takes him up on his word. And remember, he said, You should ask me for a drink. And she does. And so she already has faith. Notice, too, here that this is, this is quite a vulnerable moment because she's indicating, yeah, she keeps having to come back to this place over and over again, this escape. I don't go when everybody else goes because, um, you know, more than likely, there's a lot of 
the, the water cooler type talk, and maybe she is the talk. So spiritual talk is more about um, the things that, uh, that she's trying to rely on. Um, and, and so Jesus is changing the game. She, she keeps saying these things I, I keep coming back to. They just keep leaving me empty over and over again. And so, of course, this living water sounds fantastic. So he, told, he, he tells her, go, call your husband and come back. So he's taken the conversation even deeper because we know that he knows who, who she is. And he gives her an opportunity to be heard. And her reply is, I have no husband. So spirit talk is truth talk. They're beyond the rules and the customs and the laws and the technicalities. And she reveals her deep truth. And likely the source of her shame and likely the reason she's at the well at noon. And Jesus, knowing her, says, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. So far from condemning her, Jesus affirms her. He sees her suffering and her hardship. And so maybe it sounded a little more something like this. You've been passed around through five different husbands. And the one you have now is no husband to you at all. The rules and the laws and the systems have not worked for her. And so, so she says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. You know everything about me. Our ancestors don't, uh, our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews say we have to, to worship in Jerusalem. So she understands salvation is from the Jews, and yet we are not welcome there. Not only are we not welcomed, we're hated. And, you know, Jesus seems to agree, and he says, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know, and we worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers worship the Father, will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So he's saying things are changing. We're moving beyond the rules, and we're moving into the spirit. And the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything, showing that how hopeful she is 
showing that she's had faith and that she's anticipating that a Savior will come. So then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So spirit speaks to spirit, and Jesus is able to reveal, directly reveal, before he's even told his own disciples, as far as we know, his true identity. And so what a gift for the woman, but also what a gift for Jesus to finally have someone who, who gets him, who, can get, who can, uh, he can relate to on the spirit level. So uh, what I'm hoping is that we're, we're starting to see a lot of ourselves in this woman. And because after all, each one of us, we have a spirit too. So what is the spirit? Well, first... The spirit is often referred to as the female side of God. The Hebrew name for the Holy Spirit, Ruach, is a female name. And so the spirit is often associated with vulnerability, um, with courage, with beauty, with creativity. And there's this wildness to spirit. It often breaks the so-called rules as Jesus did right from the beginning. And maybe it's often why Jesus reveals himself to women more often, is because spirit talks to spirit. Deep calls to deep. And maybe this is why we tend to be afraid of it. It's a bit wild, and it's a bit unpredictable. The important thing, though, is that female doesn't necessarily mean woman. And just like male doesn't have to mean a man. So we're talking about spirit, and spirit doesn't have boundaries. So we're talking about how each one of us encompasses both femaleness and maleness. And so we all have a spirit. We all have male and female within us. And as God said in the beginning, male and female, I created them. Another term um, in the Greek is for spirit is pneumati, and it means breath or wind. And breath is literally life. If we can't breathe, we are dead. Breath figuratively is also life. And the spirit breathes life, the breath of life, into Adam to make him come alive. So to breathe is to be alive. Spirit also means wind, and wind itself can't be seen. We only see what the wind is moving, the trees, the leaves, the dust, the clouds, but we don't see the spirit itself. Spirit, like the wind, can't be seen, only sensed. So wind also moves things. And so it can move gently or mightily. And the spirit is the same. It moves within us. And when we follow it, it moves us into action. We breathe the spirit in and out of our body, and our body moves in response. When we are in the spirit, like the trees, we move as the spirit moves us. Sometimes when something is so elusive, like talking about the spirit, 
it's helpful to have a contrast. And um, I didn't quite see this until after I had sent the, um, the, the text, um, but that's okay, because maybe it'll be better if you can go back and look. But we need to keep on with the story to notice this contrast. So remember that the, um, the disciples had gone out to town to go get some food. And this is where um, it picks up with um, the woman, or Jesus telling the woman that I am, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, and just a side note, because side notes are pretty fun and usually very interesting and important to the story, leaving her water jar is kind of symbolic for leaving behind those old ways, those old laws, that old way of living. So she leaves her water jar, and the woman uh, went back to, to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, the, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him some food? Because they're not in the spirit talk yet. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months till harvest? And so remember, the woman had gone to town, talked to the people of the town. So you can imagine as he's saying this, you can, they can see the people coming towards them out to the, to the well. So he says, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and the other reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor." So if you think about the feel of the conversation between the woman and the conversation he's now having with, with the disciples, you can see there it's a totally different level. It's a different feel. And so what is different about it? Maybe we could call this an ego response instead of being in the spirit. So ego is often male, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong or bad. Ego and male are very practical, very necessary. Ego and male are protectors. Um, you know, and remember that we have both male and female within us. And so this is our internal um, struggle that we have in different times, different moments, on what is the moment calling for. And at this moment, with Jesus and the woman, where the disciples had kind of awkwardly walked into, um, they were not quite matching the moment. They were, um, the ego was not what the moment was calling for at the time. 
So let's do a little contrast between the woman in the spirit and the disciples' response. Because I think this will help us to see, well, what is the difference? How do we move into living in the spirit? So if we think about the woman, she came to the well in solitude. She was alone and in her vulnerable uh, place. The disciples, they came as a group. They all came together, all um, with the same uh, goal, the same plan, the same kind of thoughts and ideas. And, um, you know, nothing wrong with a group, but when groups don't go well, you have group think, and then no one is really responsible or accountable. So spirit means solitude. The woman is also open in her heart and her mind. We could see that from all of the questions and that she had with Jesus. The disciples, however, were closed. They had certainty. The woman didn't shut down to Jesus. She had her questions, showing her open heart, her open mind. The disciples didn't ask a thing. They didn't ask about the woman. They didn't ask Jesus what they were talking about they weren't terribly interested because, well, was a woman and a Samaritan. Those were, that would break the rules. Ego likes rules. So the woman, she, she accepts Jesus's offer. The disciples, they're telling Jesus what he needs to do. You need to eat something, Jesus, you know, because you're probably getting a little delusional in your hunger and your fatigue. And so they're going to fix it for him. The woman is listening. You can see the deep conversation. And then the disciples, however, have to be told uh, the truth about what is happening. Um, They have to be taught. So the woman's story actually doesn't stop there either. We can look at, well, what are the results? Why live in the Spirit? Well, the story continues that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Remember, nobody came following the disciples back after they'd visited to to buy food. But the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. And here's another side note. This is this has always sounded pretty choppy and weird to me, and so I looked up the literal translation and to, to try to make a little more sense of it. And there isn't anything direct that I could find, but I think this sounds a little bit more, if we were in the spirit, it would sound a little bit more like this. He knew every bit of me and how my life was constructed. And so in my mid-40s translation, that sort of answers the question of, How did my life turn out out like this? (laughs) So, again, all of the people came because of the woman's testimony. They came and met Jesus because of her testimony. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So, my friends, I think the time has come for us to get to know and to 
start learning to trust our spirits. The laws and the rules, they've worked for a time, but it's time for us to grow into the spirit. So what are the water jars that you can set aside to free up that wellspring of water within you? And where will you trust the spirit within you to move you? And that's where I'll leave you. Thank you.